Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. And with me, as always, is the Cody Smith. And he is the Royal Rumble champion from 2023-2024. Just want to get that intro right out the way because we got a new title for you. Oh, it feels damn good, Chase. Royal Rumble champion of 2023-2024. Co, back-to-back Royal Rumble champions on the TFDR podcast. You want it year one. I want it year two. From outside of the playoffs to first place total overall, beating you in it as well. Oh, taking down the champ, going back to back though on TFDR. The uh, like I said, the only thing that taints the fact that I'm getting the belt this year is that I have to share it with you. It's not great, but if I had to share it with anybody else, it would be TFDR back to back champions. Yeah, man. Uh, huge pro- Huge shout out to your team. Your team just absolutely destroyed. I mean, uh, we we kind of went over for people that were in the, the Discord. Uh, he he beat me a two ninety to two fifty, where the two highest scores in the week, and just smashed me. And thankfully, uh, in all honesty, I have no bitterness. Like I would have lost. Like I, I think if my team would have shown up week seventeen, and I would have like could have you know put up the top score week 17 i may have felt a little salty but man i would have lost no matter what so i was so happy to lose to you glad it was uh you know tfdr league right now i mean we're, we're running it so uh although all those royal rumble guys out there we got some openings in that league coming into to 2024 and so uh you know if you want in make sure you're in heisman we, we got some spots you got to be active this is this is one of the premier heisman leagues got to be in there so if you want to take down the, the the champ and then the you know i guess i'm the former champ but you want to take down tfdr in rumble tag Good team luck. baby let's tag go tag team champs baby so uh yeah now huge shout out we're to also you. doing yeah. on that we're now doing an auction uh auction Ooh. dispersal auction dispersal Ooh. for it because we got enough teams that are leaving we got an auction dispersal so every team that goes into the into the dispersal is going to be given a startup allocation fund that they can use to like nine or ten teams or so going to be able to do their own dispersal auction instead of a dispersal snake one of the first ones i've ever seen for sure so it'll be an absolutely awesome league this is still I don't care. I'm sorry, HVV. I love HVV, but 
Royal Rumble, still number one league in all of our hearts and minds in DD. Hands down. I, I, I agree. I love HV as well. That's a 36 team, three copy league. This one's a 28 team two copy leagues so 14 teams on each side so yeah like these are the two premier leagues um but royal rumble still holds a special place that draft was unmatched just that experience the the people in there the activity level of of what was up until this year we had a few managers that needed to go and, and they're gone so um yeah you know it's a great place to be either league if you can get in do it so make sure you do get into destinationdevy.com find a tier that's right for you and if you want to be part of these heisman leagues make sure you're in the heisman tier and the dti5 tier so uh definitely do that any other things we want to chat about before we dive in for what we're going to talk about today yeah, before we get into it i just i mean we, we've been off the mic for a couple of weeks we've been yeah. you, you've all heard us on the overreaction podcast for the last couple of weeks but we had some pre-recorded shows i don't think you or i have talked for like three weeks now which seems like a freaking eternity compared to the last year and a half where we've been talking almost every single day been nice to get away for a little bit but good to come back as well so hope you had a great christmas vacation for the last couple of weeks you know it's definitely needed after basically just trying to stay afloat and alive throughout the entire season and everything uh but but hopefully hopefully you had a nice time with family and everything hopefully y'all listening did as well but definitely glad to be back on the mic and with y'all i have missed it i have been yearning to be back for a long bit uh home was very fun but it is also very overwhelming for 10 days straight of parties and family and so <laughs> glad to be back home and on the mic down in texas with the tornadoes and hail going on outside right now yeah no i'm glad you had a good time with your family i did the same it was a, a nice it was a nice time to reflect you know i reflected on the on the fantasy season we kind of talked about some of our uh you know hits and misses things that we would do differently um really looking you know at 2024 and it starts now like the the, the season starts right now this is one of our favorite times you know we have uh, not only prospect you know analysis really deep diving into the 2024 class but we have startup mocks, we have startups, we have rookie mocks, we have rookie drafts, like so much stuff is going on between now and, and, and truly the start of the fantasy season. It just ended, but this is the time you win. This, this, the off season is the time that you truly can take the biggest step ahead of your competition. And so, uh, you know, it starts with the analysis right now. So we're going to dive into a ton of stuff in, in this off season where I know you and I are both super excited about it. I think it starts today with a, a startup mock that we did with, uh, predominantly it was a Heisman and DTI five crew. So, uh, super excited to have that group there and, and yeah, like I'm ready to go. It was absolutely awesome. I don't think we've ever had this much consecutive activity from one of our startup mocks. Typically, you have at least like one person who's holding up the draft. One of the times it was me because I slept in until 11 a.m. one day. But we got through 13, uh, 12 or 13 plus oh, rounds man. in the course of like three days. It was absolutely awesome to have this draft. Thank you to all of the people that joined in this one. It was absolutely awesome. Our first startup mock of the offseason. And we can use this one to, I mean, this is this is TFDR. It's the fantasy draft room mock season. It is the overreaction podcast mock season. We don't have anything to overreact to for the next eight months or so until we get back to the season. But we can overreact every single day to stuff like this because of the community that we do have. Again, like Chase said, if you want to get into these mocks, join the Heisman, join DTI five, join the Discord. It is the number one place because mocks like these and rookie mocks will be happening all of the off season. It will be absolutely awesome, leading all the way up to draft season and beyond. We're going to keep doing these for the next seven months. 
uh, we'll get sick of talking about these rookies <laughs> by the time that August rolls around. So it'll be absolutely fun until we do get sick of them. Be diving into prospect tape. It'll be an absolute blast. But we did have our first dynasty startup mock of the quote unquote fantasy offseason, even though football is still being played. Injuries do still happen. <laughs> We still have our first mock of the offseason, and it was an absolute banger. I don't think there was many picks that were just absolutely atrocious or anything. Everything felt pretty right on and spot on throughout this entire mock. There's a couple of things I do have an issue with. You know, there's some quarterbacks that are a little bit out of place, in my opinion. A couple of quarterbacks that fell a little bit, a couple of quarterbacks that were overdrafted, wide receivers as well. But I think this is a pretty good landscape of what we could see going into 2024. We are using kickers as the rookie placeholders in this draft. So we do have the 101, 102. Then we drafted all the way through the 206 and the 12 rounds that we drafted. It's an absolute blast. So I hope you enjoy a long ride. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll break this down. We're not going to go team by team, you know, necessarily, and talk about players uh, like every player in each round because it is, you know, again, we just went through twelve rounds, one hundred and forty four players. Um, but we are going to kind of look at some tiers, talk about some of the the the, the big breaks that we see within the board, um, kind of look at where where some of these values are at right now, and maybe some things that are going to shift up or shift down from here. Again, we had a pretty tapped in crew, so it was great to have this group together to to do this. And uh, again, really appreciate it. If you do want to be part of these mocks, we will be doing a bunch of startup mocks. And I, I, we are still team auction. We do, we still think auction is the way, but predominantly a lot of people are going to be playing in snakes in snake startups. So uh, this is going to be a great idea to for you to kind of get an idea of where value is. Uh, where players are going and kind of what kind of strategy you want to build for yourself. So let's just kick kick things off here and just jump right into to the board. Um, Looking at the first round, we had uh, I'll just read them off. So we had Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, CJ Stroud. So the first seven were all quarterbacks. Then we had Justin Jefferson, the 101, A. Rich, Jamar Chase and Lamb. So the back half. Jefferson, 101, Rich, Chase, and Lamb. That'll wrap up the first round. Now, I know we've kind of had some discussion about, you know, quarterbacks lately. How do you feel about how this first round went with, you know, basically chalk quarterback for the first seven picks? I I absolutely love where it started because I am a full Josh Allen is the 101 regardless of format regardless of anything over the last five years he has been quarterback one one two one one and he's the quarterback one again this year so like what what more do you need to see out of this guy I don't care if you value the longevity if his legs fall off after five more years who the hell cares Josh Allen is your 101 quarterback regardless of Patrick Mahomes we've seen now he fall we've seen the fall off without the weapons we've seen the fallout with with Kelsey getting one year older we've seen the fallout with without Tyreek we've seen the fall off of Jalen Hurts without the tush push I mean he might not have Jason Kelsey next year and does the tush push work as well if that happens if he leaves next year we don't know you know the one constant that we've had regardless of the scheme format players weapons it has been Josh Allen over the last five years and he is the 101 I love to see it start off this way but I don't think there's that big, but that much of a separation between these top two, top three. I do love that we go Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. I do think that those are the top three. I actually have a little bit of an issue with Lamar Jackson at 104, though, because I don't really? think without the rushing component, we haven't seen the rushing component in this game at all. It's been Gus Edwards that has been taking all of these rushing touchdowns. Now, he does he have the 
does he have the capacity to go off for five touchdowns like he did in this last last week? Yes, he does have that, but I don't think week over week that he actually has that that much upside. He normally still just throws for like 220, 240 yards, maybe a couple touchdowns. I don't think without the rushing component of of Lamar Jackson, I don't know if that's still there for him to be a top four for me. I love him still, but I, I, I still think he's in the top seven, but I don't know if I have him at 104 anymore. So here's the thing. I'm with you on the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Like the, again, when it comes to the, the the way that their offense has been and, and and kind of what we've seen this year, this was a quote unquote down year for both of them. But Jalen Hurts still is QB2. I know there could be some regression with the tush push stuff getting figured out, but until I see it, he's still top three. I, I'm with you. These are the top three no matter what. When it comes to Lamar, now I I, I know that everyone loves to to say Gus Edwards is vulturing touchdowns from him, but like Lamar Jackson rushed for 800 yards this year like he did he, he has five touchdowns on the ground 3600 yards in the air with 24 touchdowns and you know he did not play week 17 so he did sit out a game so that he can make sure he's healthy for that playoff run he is qb4 this year and and so i i have zero issue with it because we've all seen what lamar can do the problem has always been can he stay healthy all year he, he got banged up back-to-back years down the stretch when when it mattered most and that was the big thing for especially fantasy folks like week 12 week 13 all of a sudden lamar jackson's hurt and you're just like well great this <laughs> it's killing me i have no problem with him being qb4 i i don't i think the upside is there he mvp lamar all for it you can make an argument for stroud herbert burrow I'm fine with it. Um, I do kind of think Lamar Jackson's closer to the top three tier than he is towards Burrow, Herbert, and Stroud. But I think we are picking hairs when it comes to these top seven. And I think it is a top seven right now. I think these are the the consistent top seven that you're going to see throughout. And uh, I feel like it's probably pretty chalk, depending on your scoring settings, that you're going to see these seven QBs go off back to back to back. Absolutely. And the only ones that you can actually see go past that are the two that we see go in the first round as well. It's the 101, whether that's Caleb, whether that's Drake May, whether that's the first, whatever the first quarterback is taken, I do believe will be in the first round of startups in fantasy football. And then it's Anthony Richardson, the guy who's been hurt and went out of four of the first five games and then didn't come back for the entirety of the season with that shoulder injury. But man, he was electric whenever he was on the field. And if he can just stay healthy for an entire year, he's going to be absolutely dynamic for fantasy football. So I do think that those are your first round quarterbacks. And like we saw here, I don't think that you really have anybody else who's going to sneak into the first round unless somebody just reaches for a quarterback just because they feel like they need to have one. I think that those seven, Anthony Richardson and the 101, might still be Marvin Harrison Jr. as well, because people are definitely higher on Marvin Harrison Jr., having him as a top three wide receiver coming directly in. I mean, here, it's Justin Jefferson and then the 101. If that's Marvin Harrison Jr., he's coming in as the second overall wide receiver in fantasy football minds right now. So that's insane in and of itself. I do think the 101 holds a little bit more value than just the name, but because of the trade value and everything, I do think it holds a little bit more value, but um, absolutely insane to see the 101 up here above Jamar Chase even. I I can't (laughs) personally do that, but I do think it's around this range that the 101 will come off the board, and I think these are your true in the NFL top eight quarterbacks with Anthony Richardson included in the list that we just gave off. 
yeah, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep with the quarterbacks as we round into the second round and then we'll touch base when we go back to the wide receivers here, because I do think there's some conversation to be had there. So, um, as you mentioned, we had the 101 Anthony Richardson finishing out the quarterbacks in the first round In the second round at the 202. We do see Trevor Lawrence go. Then we have the 102, 103. I'm going to list the picks simply because that could be a quarterback, could be Marv. Yep. So 102, 103, back to back. T-Law, 102, 103. Then we have Kyler Murray, Brock Purdy going off at the 206, 207. And then to round out the back half of this, we have the 210, Tua Tagovailoa, and the very controversial QB 13, Justin Fields at the 212. So, Let's skip Justin Fields for a second because I know your blood pressure is boiling right now. <laughs> so we'll keep it here with uh with just <laughs> Tua. Or sorry, yeah, we'll go T Law 102-103, Kyler, Brock, Tua. Feels about right for this tier. I feel like there's a name missing, but I feel pretty good with this group. I, is there anyone in here that you're kind of avoiding? Anyone that you're a little higher on that maybe you're like, I, I would love to get myself this player a little bit higher if I could. I mean, the one that I took, um, uh, I started off this draft in uh, in the seventh slot. I started off CJ Stroud, Kyler Murray. I absolutely yeah. love this start. Absolutely love the two quarterbacks. I think they could potentially both be first round quarterbacks in startups. Um, I absolutely love these two. I think they both deserve to be there. I think Brock deserves to be there as well. I think that's probably a name that a lot of people will start to say, whoa, wait, that's way too high. And then you look at his offensive scheme, a situation, nothing's changing for Brock Purdy. Why is he not there? The one that I do have an issue with other than Justin Fields, which we'll get to later, but the one that I do have an issue with is Trevor Lawrence because we just don't see consistency from Trevor Lawrence year over year or week over week even. He just looks like he's a very mediocre Derek Carr-esque quarterback right now, and I don't see a reason why he should still be elevated up because of his initial draft capital and his initial being the prodigal son quarterback coming in. He hasn't shown me any reason why he even deserves a second contract, much less to be drafted as the quarterback nine overall. I don't understand it for Trevor Lawrence at this point anymore. I'd rather have the name that we haven't had. We haven't said Dak Prescott. I'd rather have Dak Prescott than I would Trevor Lawrence at this point, just because of what I've seen from Dak Prescott over the course of his career compared to what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence. He has spikes and he has flashes, but I've never seen it continuously over the course of a season or even over the course of four weeks. He just disappears at times. And I know he was playing on injury a lot throughout the season. He's playing through it. He's extremely tough, fully given credit for it. But even when he's healthy, I just don't see enough to put him up anywhere near. Like, how does he ever get to a Joe Burrow range, whatever he's passing for 300 yards and four touchdowns a game? I've never seen that from Trevor Lawrence. And so to take him here at 202 just feels incredibly high for me. Yeah, I think T-Law is the one that I'm a little uh, not concerned with, but like if he's my QB one, I don't feel great. You know, I I have no problem with T-Law. I still think he belongs in this range just because we have seen the the highs, especially if you're talking best ball, like, sure, fine. Give me T-Law. Like, I'll, I'll take it. Like, he's in a spike when he spikes and when he doesn't, he's on my bench. But, you know, if I'm looking for consistent points and starting, yeah, I'm taking Kyler, Purdy, uh, Dak over him. I, I think... Tua Tua has the same kind of consistency issues where you see monster games from him and then you see games where he just disappears. 
So I'm, I'm, it's not the same turnover prone type issues that T law has, but uh, I think it's kind of, I, I definitely would move T law from the, the top of the second to the back of the second and be perfectly fine with that. Uh, and then again, Dak Prescott, who will just say it, he went at the three ten after uh, he was the next quarterback off the board, supposedly, you know, according to this. And uh, I would be taking him in the second here and just making sure I have consistent quarterback play in comparison to some of the, the guys that went ahead of him. But yet yeah, touch on Justin Fields for us here. Why do you hate Justin Fields so much here at the two? Let's just, I don't even say in general, why do you hate him so much? But why do you hate him here? As QB thirteen off the board, what's what's your your thought right now? He legitimately has no guarantee that he's the starter week one next year for any team. That's the issue. Um, every other player here that we will take for the next six rounds has guaranteed to be their starter for the week one of next year. I don't believe that's the case for Justin Fields. Has he done enough to probably secure the job? Yes. Do they still have the 101 and they could pick a quarterback? Yes. Do I think that the Bears won't pick a quarterback? I don't. I have come around on this one that is so much more viable for the Bears to screw it up so much more than they intended to <laughs> and actually keep Justin Fields, give him a fifth year option, give him $250 million to go eight and nine for the next five years. I believe that's so much more likely for the Bears organization because they just continuously mess things up at quarterback. I do believe that will happen. And again, were you happy with Justin Fields at quarterback this year? For the majority, you weren't. For the majority of the time, I think he ended up finishing as like QB 10 overall in points per game. I wasn't really happy having Justin Fields on none of the teams that I rostered him on, because I don't roster Justin Fields anywhere, even in redraft. It doesn't matter, because... I don't I don't have a good outlook for this guy. Like I, I'm gonna find it so funny whenever they somehow get Marvin Harrison Jr. And it will be bad for Marvin Harrison Jr. that he's attached to Justin Fields, but it'll be good for Justin Fields that he now has another weapon in Marvin Harrison Jr. And trying to navigate that line of why it's bad for Marvin Harrison that he's attached to Justin Fields because he's not a good thrower of the football, and why it's good for Justin Fields that he ha- now has another weapon outside of DJ Moore. Going to be absolutely interesting to watch. But no, I don't believe that Justin Fields should be taken in the second round of a startup. I don't believe he should be taken in the third of a startup. Fourth round of a startup, maybe. Then you have the conversation. But he doesn't have, even have a guarantee to be a starter week one of next year, even if a team trades for him. Like imagine being the bears and trying to say that we're going to give you a fifth year option and give you a $250 million extension for the next four years. I can't personally for a quarterback that has shown me a little bit of growth. He's definitely gotten better. He's just gotten better to the point of being a mediocre quarterback. Like there's been no growth to show me that he's a super bowl winning caliber quarterback ever. I would much rather give a $250 million contract to to attack Valoa. He's at least shown me that he can win NFL games. Justin Fields still is not. The defense has gotten a lot better. I think Eberflus still stays there. I do believe that Justin Fields will be the starter for the Chicago Bears in 2024. But at this point, I cannot consider the fact that he's going to be a starter long term still. And we're going to go off on a little tangent here, but that's just you know what we do. So there's two things I kind of want to unpack here. So the Justin Fields part um, is interesting to me because you, you talked a lot of NFL re- relation, Bears screwing it up, things like that. But if this man's a top 12 quarterback and he is locked in there, you know, it gets me a little, uh, 
fantasy wise, I'm all right. You know, like I don't love me Justin Fields at all. Like when you when you look at his his overall finishes this year, like he was like a top five quarterback or he was like QB 24. Like there was there was like rarely any in between. So there's definitely the spikes. There's definitely the potential. But again, you're talking about if you have to start him in a lineup league, you know, I guess you're looking for those smash weeks, uh, best ball leagues. Maybe you're, you're, you have some hope. And yes, you can tell me the story that Marvin Harrison Jr. going there makes things better for Justin Fields, but yet is a bad scenario for Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's a it is a fine line. I do. And I think this is something you and I talked about off air. The, the problem for me is. You keep Fields and you keep Eberflus. Like I feel like those two are just oil and water where one of them has to go. Like we either need to start fresh with a different quarterback that has traits for an offense that you're looking to run, or you need to get rid of the head coach and find someone that's a little bit more offensive focused. Maybe they you know figure out a new offensive coordinator situation that's a little bit better for for what Fields can do. I it just feels like a, a recipe for disaster. So let's just say, for sake of argument, quickly, because I do want to get into this other part, quickly, if Justin Fields does get a contract extension and he's he's a starting quarterback in the NFL for the for the Bears for the next five years, how are you feeling? Top 12? Top 15? I mean, no, because at any point, I feel like he can get benched and replaced. Like he's the next russell wilson on a contract extension that he'll never live up to and he'll get benched for jared stidham with an actual competent quarterback or with a competent head coach that actually wants to revitalize their franchise and actually try to make the playoffs and win football games okay he's a he's a he's whenever you said like yeah he can he can have spike weeks of like quarterback five whenever he runs the ball and they lose games whenever they win games (laughs) he's a quarterback 20 and he can't throw the ball like i I, I don't know. I just I I've never seen it with Justin Fields. He's never given me anything. Like I've said, he's improved this year, and he's improved to just being a mediocre quarterback. And I yeah. don't think it's ever going to get anything better than that. Regardless of whether you give him another weapon, do you need to give him another weapon and more offensive linemen than you gave him this year? Like nobody's going to have you. a perfect situation in the NFL. I'm sorry. We at some point you need to stop making excuses for players not performing up to their potential, and just realize that that's the player. And I think I, that's I'm just, just asking, you know, as Ray likes to say, I'm just asking, you know, if and I know is, you're just asking the question, but I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at everybody else, everybody else <laughs> out there that thinks that Justin Fields should be taken at the 212. Because you know how I feel about Fields. You know how I feel about Fields. So then then this is a quick pivot here as well, because I asked this question and I genuinely feel this way because I, I think it's a little bit closer than people are anticipating. But Marvin Harrison is a Chicago Bear and Malik Neighbors is an Arizona Cardinal or a L.A. Charger. You know, going sure. oh, pick overall, you know, four or five. You taking neighbors over Marv? No, no. So, I'm still... I'm, I'm, I loved, I love the talent of Marvin I, Harrison Jr. I think that I he say can no now. I you say just, no you now. just said the Eberflus that offense. It's not a high passing volume offense. You still got DJ Moore. You still got, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed. You know, as as the the old age old. I know, say no now. But give me four months. Okay. Give me four months to really sit on it. And why did we have JSN at the 101? Or yep. why did we have JSN as the wide receiver one? Because he was the best prospect, right? 
Mm-hmm. But look at the situation that he's going in and tell me the situation of why he's wide receiver one of the rookies by the end of the year. Nobody could tell me that story. Whenever you have DK Metcalf and you have Tyler Lockett and you have Geno Smith as the quarterback, nobody can tell me the story of why he was going to finish the year as the wide receiver one. Only they can tell me he's the best prospect, right? You put Marvin Harrison Jr. in Chicago. You give me four months, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that I'd switch positions, and I'd say that Neighbors is my wide receiver one. Yeah, and I do think that Marvin Harrison, the talent, is going to overtake DJ Moore as the wide receiver one on that team. So I think the targets are going to be there. But again, it, this is just a low passing volume offense. The scheme matters. The systems matter. Like it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that situation plays out. Again, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Neighbors being the wide receiver one, and you know in uh, LA or in uh in Arizona would be you know interesting of course but uh, there's no guarantee of, of how that pans out either but hey just just something to think about as these these situations arise these players aren't going to go to perfect situations so um all right let's wrap up the second round anything else you want to touch on before on, on Justin Fields before we we keep going here real quick on Marvin Harrison yep. if you yep. split DJ Moore's 1300 yards between the two of them and just split it because I, I don't see a world where Justin Fields throws for 3,000 passing yards in a year. Do not see that happening. You want to split them between 700 yards and 700 yards, and both of them are useless wide receivers? I think that's what happens. I Martin mean, Harrison, Justin, you, know we, you know we can't do that. You know there's other there's other guys that, that – there's other – I don't say there's other guys, but like you know, there's other yards on that team that – nothing else there. This equanimous yeah. St. Brown – I know the, and Tyler Scott, Cole Komet and, and the running backs. And uh, trust me, I, I, I get where you're going. Like the, the upside of someone on that team, having a 1300 yard season next year is like less than 1% unless one of them, unless they drastically change the offensive scheme or unless they, you know, yeah. Feed one of the, one of the wide receivers over the other. So, um, as you look up and, and dig through the targets, I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> no, we can we can move on. Yeah. I don't need to dig it up. All right, we'll hammer through it. We'll hammer through that another day or another time. So that was the second round. Uh, getting into the third round, we had third round reversal. We had we finally start seeing some some kind of variation. We had Chris Olave, CMC, Puka, the 104, Tyreek, Gibbs, Laporta, tight end one coming off the board in the mid third at the 307, uh, the 105, 106. Dak Prescott, JT, DJ Moore. You know, we start getting into some more tight ends in the in the fifth round or fourth round as well with Trey McBride coming off, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and then we it's the wide receiver gang. So I do want to get back into the wide receiver talk here. So we had Jefferson, Chase Lamb, Amon Ra, AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, all going off in the first two rounds. Those are the, the only six wide receivers going off in the first two rounds. After that, you had Chris Olave, Puka Nakua, Tyreek Hill, and DJ Moore, the guy we were just talking about, team we were just talking about, sneaking up there uh, into this mix. How do you feel about this top group of wide receivers as we hit about you know 10 wide receivers through three rounds of the draft um, looking at this so far? I think what I realize here is wide receiver is no longer a – the flat range of wide receivers has only expanded because do I really care about Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave? I really don't. I do not care all that much. Honestly, I don't care if Aaron Rodgers comes back. I don't care if Chris Olave comes back with a healthy Derek Carr. 
They're replaceable wide receivers. The only, the really only ones that I care about Jefferson, Marvin Harrison Jr. Whenever he comes in chase lamb, St. Brown, Amon Ra or AJ Brown, Puka and Tyreek. Those are the only ones that I care about. Everything else is a replaceable wide receiver. So that, that, that is exactly the only thing that I looked at whenever I saw this. I'm like, I only have like seven wide receivers that I actually care about. It's almost like quarterback. How you know, like you have a top seven of quarterback that is really difference making quarterbacks and you really want all of those guys. There's now become this wide receiver group of like top seven that I really want. And I don't care who I have besides that, because from wide receiver eight to wide receiver 30, I honestly don't have that much of a difference. I am 100% on board with that. I, I I will say Garrett Wilson is the one that when you, if destinationdebbie.com, get, get yourself on board, check out the Trinity tracker and, and check out all of the tools that are available to you. But when you're looking at the wide receiver position, you look at what Garrett Wilson did this year with the ragtag bunch of quarterbacks that he had the opportunity for him to be in this top seven tops, you know, eight group essentially is easily there easily there. And I know the production wasn't wonderful. We've, we've gone over the Chris Olave Garrett Wilson conversation, but he is one of them that could easily find himself as a top six wide receiver next year. And, and so I will say he'd be the one that I'm still a little bit on Chris Olave. Totally fine with. Everything else you said with DJ Moore, Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, Pittman, Ayuk, Waddle, all of them are beautiful names that we love. But yes, this whole tier basically from I'm going to go with eight and beyond. You're going to go with seven and beyond. I give me any of them. I guess you know the cheapest one that I can acquire. I'm with you. It, the flat tier has expanded. And I think that that's just kind of something that we're noticing more, whether you want to call them BAM tier players, but these these elite players, whatever word terminology you want to use, there's probably seven quarterbacks, seven to eight wide receivers, one or two. Maybe you can argue yourself to three tight ends, but even then, like tight end just doesn't matter. And then running back, same thing. You you probably got four. Like having those those key difference makers at those positions, I think matters more now than ever, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it right now with wide receiver because that gap from like eight to forty is just whatever. I mean, who the hell cares? Because it <laughs> it fills up the next rounds three through seven are like forty wide receivers that we really don't care about. But as you mentioned, tight end, I do want to touch on just a little bit, just briefly yeah. for everybody who's listening into this and may be on the outside looking in. We did have a format that we tried to draft this by. I don't think we mentioned it at the beginning that it was a 12 team start 10 super flex lineup, 1.75 tight end premium league. So tight ends are still valued and you still don't see one except for Sam poor to go off in the three Oh seven. Now this was before he played the game on Sunday and had the injury. Uh, we don't know how extensive the Sounds injury like he's is. Okay. Sounds, Sounds like he's, he's okay. So he's probably still probably going to climb yeah. into that one-on-one spot for tight ends. But um, you still don't, even in a 1.75 tight end premium league, you still don't see one go off to the third. And I think that's an appropriate evaluation. Yeah. I mean, last year, this time, the, in that same type of format, in the one seven five, 
we were looking at the Kelsey is early one eleven, one twelve, two one two two. Yeah, was like, a turn, is Kelsey and Andrews both in that same range? Like going off at the latest two oh four for both of them. And it was like, oh yeah, these two are just head and shoulders above the rest. You might even see a pits in the back of the second or in the early third. And like those are the three that you're looking at. Now we don't even see one until that mid third. And and the names have changed. We got Sam Laporta, you know, what was he, tight end three in this class, maybe tight end four. People people had him at Trey McBride is is tight end two coming off the board. Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson there. There's the 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 quote unquote chalk uh coming off. So there's your there's your four tight ends through four rounds. And I think the the big thing, like when we look at war, when we look at, you know, all the tools we have available to us, again, shout out destinationdebbie.com. You got to be a part of it. It's going to change the way you see fantasy football. Tight ends just don't matter. Like they just don't. Yeah, Kelsey was great when he was, you know, a wide top four wide receiver. But now even Laporta, like he's he's very good. But eh. You know what the crazy thing is? Kelsey was still tight end two on the year. I, I and everybody know, thinks he so sucks. Crazy. Everybody it's thinks so- he sucked this year. He's still tight end two on the year. If you want to see, if you want to just notice how much tight ends don't matter, how happy were you with Travis Kelsey as tight end two? Everybody hated it. Everybody hated it for how much he was actually giving you week over week, and he was still tight end two. Because tight end, there's no separate. Even even the upper echelon of tight ends this year, only Sam Laporta actually differentiated himself from anybody else, just because of touchdowns as well. There actually wasn't that much in receiving yards and receptions that differentiated him. It was only touchdowns that differentiated him between anybody else. And everybody else, like David and Joku, came on late in the year. You know who he is. He's Dallas Goddard of last year. He's George Kittle of last year. Travis Kelsey, you know who he was? He was George Kittle. He was Dallas Goddard of every single year. Trey McBride, yeah, he was serving as the wide receiver one for that team. Look at anybody else. What do you what do you want to what do you want to argue? Michael Wilson against him? Greg Dortch as this number two wide receiver, whenever he was getting 11 targets a game. You want to know why? Because he had nobody else against him. I mean, these guys are all going to fall back down in the Dallas Goddard range, in my opinion. I don't think next year, honestly, I could see Mark Andrews still being the tight end one next year. By the time that I get Agreed. to draft process, I could see Mark Andrews being my tight end one. Agreed. Yeah, I think he's he's right there. Um, yeah, the big thing with Kelsey has always been he was head and shoulders above tight end two or tight end three, like if Andrews had a good year, but he was just head and shoulders, such a difference maker at the position that he was, he was essentially like having a top four wide receiver or, or a top six quarterback. And so when you're putting that in your tight end position, it gave you a positional difference. But when you didn't have that, you didn't care about tight end three and on. Like you took the gamble on pits, like hopefully it pans out, hopefully it worked out. And, you know, with the firing of Arthur Smith, people are probably getting excited again of, of what offensive mind could come in there. But that's a, that'll, we'll dive into the offseason stuff in the next week or two here as we get more uh, turnover at the, the coaching positions. But it's all hope. It's all hopium. And so and even if things do work out for Kyle Pitts, there's no guarantee that he's going to be Travis Kelsey of the past five years. There's he he's could just be a guy. He could be wide receiver 14 
essentially. And everyone's going to be like, oh, well, that was great for tight end three. And it's like, yeah, but he was wide receiver 14. Like, who do you care about wide receiver 14? We just talked about range of eight to 40, essentially. Like, no. So in the end, the tight end position has been devalued. Yes, you, you, of course, you still want somebody, but it's all about where you can and where you can draft them. And when you're taking a, a gamble on, I don't even say gamble, but you're taking a shot on tight end and the third when you have guys like Gibbs still out there, Tyreek, DJ Moore, like I, I, I still am willing to take those gambles um, or take those opportunities with those positions over over what I can get when I can get like Ferguson later on i mean kittle we'll, we'll dive into the later rounds but he went in the eighth round i sure give me give me george kittle in the eighth over over laporta in the third like it's gladly just, gladly like, give me that for from a team construction build whenever i can take a top end wide receiver one of those top eight wide receivers compared to just putting in sam laporta like it it feels fantastic to put that in there in your tight end room and you have no conversation about Anybody else yeah. you could potentially sub in? But you know who I also don't have any conversation about who I'm putting in in my tight end one room? Evan Ingram in the seventh. I don't have any conversation whether I'm putting in him or Gerald Everett week over week. I'll put in, I'll, I'll put in, yep, Evan Ingram every single week. And so, like, whenever you can do that, and it doesn't have that much of a war difference, especially like we we see all of these tools coming out from Destination Debbie, like you talked about, put it in your league, one point seven five tight end premium. It literally does not even matter at one point seven five tight end premium until you get to like two tight ends and two point premium, then it starts to matter. Like you need to have so much of a premium on these tight ends for them to actually matter about what is truly difference making. And if any of these guys fall off from the rookie production that they've done, like if, if Sam Laporta falls off because they bring in another wide receiver, he's currently serving as the wide receiver too. He's legitimately the wide receiver too for the Detroit Lions. They bring in, let's say they bring in Mike Evans. Do you think Sam Laporta is getting eight targets a game anymore? There's Honest. no shot that that's happening. Honestly, even if they don't bring anybody in, like if they lose, which they will lose Ben Johnson, yeah, well, like, what happens to the offense whenever the offense coordinator changes? Yeah. What happens whenever Trey McBride, who's serving as the wide receiver one for the Cardinals right now? What happens when wide receiver one gets replaced by a guy like maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. for the Cardinals? Do you think Trey McBride's getting 11 targets a game anymore? Don't think that that's the case. Because he's the only, he's legitimately the only receiver outside of Greg Dortch. That Kyler trusts right now. I see all of these guys falling back down into just a replaceable range. I don't see the tight end position having anybody else like Kelsey outside of potentially Mark Andrews next year. I don't see anybody else having a true war difference making season. And so I'll just take any of these guys one through about David and Joku, like tight end eight. I'll take any of them because I think they're about all the same. Yeah, I think it's just a, a way we need to reevaluate the the tight end position. I mean, if you can still capitalize in your league and trade off of some of these these tight ends that have the name value or have that cachet, um, you know, do it. Take take advantage of it because there's going to be other opportunities to replace that same exact tight end for much cheaper. You can stream tight ends and find and find value still and, and find the opportunity to to still get those same type of spike weeks. So um, the tight end position has changed a, a good bit. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we touched on that as we as we go through here. Once we get into the later half of the rounds, it, 
things can vary draft to draft as as we get more information if you're drafting right now like I, there's a reason travis kelsey went so low there's a reason why some of these names went um in the seventh round and beyond and it's because of of the age it's because of you know the value of these picks and these young players that have excitement around them are going to hold more value and hold more trade value. It's not necessarily like you're drafting a team, and I think that's the common thing that people forget is you're not necessarily drafting, oh, this is my starting lineup. You're drafting value of how you can accumulate the best possible assets to improve your team this offseason to make trades in order to find that lineup for September. But right now, you don't have to do that. So a lot of these aging players are going to slip. So if you are doing startups, uh, that's going to be something to kind of keep in mind is the value game that you're going to be playing between now and September and how you can kind of capitalize on that uh, in your draft and your startups. Yeah. Can we talk about the guess rounds four, five, six right now? I would, I would love to go through those rounds really quickly. So we got fourth round, Trey McBride, Watson, a chain, love Waddle, Ayuk, Pittman, Higgins, Andrews, Hawkinson, golf, Devonte Smith, into the fifth round, we've got the 107, Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, JSN, George Pickens, Addison, Metcalf, London, Bryce Young, Kyle Pitts, Nico Collins, Zay Flowers. What I really want to talk about here is that 107 because I feel like that's a pivotal pick right now. Just Except, let's just wrap up the sixth round as well so we can get through. Let's the go through that too. Yeah. Because we don't, or we do have two more picks in that round. Yep. We do have in the sixth round, it goes Zay Flowers was the last pick of the fifth round. ETN, Dalton Kincaid, Stefan Diggs, Saquon Barkley, Devo Samuel, Kyron Williams, Mike Evans, the 108, Jaden Reed, 109, David Njoku, Ken Walker. Perfect. Yeah, because I'm with you. I think that the picks that right here, like the the 106 came off the board at the what what is that the 309, and then the 107 didn't come off until the 51. So you're and talking so that's about your a, tier break right now. If yeah. if you have these rookie picks right now, that's the perceived tier break. It it is only one draft. Somebody could value the 106 or the 107 differently, but right now I I do believe that that is a very good evaluation of where the tier break in most people's minds exist before we get into the pre the the combine and the pre evaluation. I think it will expand. I think it will get to about the 107 is going to be the tier break. But if you can get that 106 right now because people aren't exactly secure with it, I would definitely be looking to pick up that 106 if people think that the tier break is the 105. Yeah, I mean, we're talking what three quarterbacks, two wide receivers, Brock Bowers, and I know we just talked, you know, we just crapped all over tight end for a while, but like those are the perceived top six at this moment. I think is is safe to say, and you still have a plethora of of other really good wide receivers that are in this draft. Um, that you know, again, landing spots, things like that, are going to to really help help that out. And as we go through the evaluation process and really start, you know, getting some hype around these rookies, uh, we're really going to start seeing how deep this class is. And, and hopefully it stays that way post NFL draft. <laughs> so uh, we'll find out those landing spots, but yeah, I'm with you. I think that that's a, a, a appropriate gap there for the picks, you know, 108, 109 coming off the board, uh, almost a half a round later for me, there's not a huge difference between the 107, 108, 109, 110 even 111 i think that 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 range there's a cluster of players that you could name off basically from the 107 through the end of the first round that uh i think you're going to have significant name value and excitement around as we go through this process 
Yeah, and it was definitely probably one of the I don't want to say one of the major mistakes that I made in this draft. I was picking at that seven spot and I went with the Mike I went with Mike Evans over the 108. And really going back to it, I could probably get much better. Like I could probably get Stefan Diggs for the 108 if I just took 108 right there instead of the actual name in Mike Evans. Now, Mike Evans had a fantastic year. He's a free agent. We don't know where he's going to go. If he goes to like Kansas City, I think I'd definitely win that pick. But if he goes anywhere else, I'd probably rather have the 108 just to trade that in for any other wide receiver that I could get there, either the rookie or somebody else. I think that is one of my few mistakes in this draft as I went through it. That um, did get the 201 later, but that is one of the picks that I think – a lot of the wide receivers in this range, I think I probably just would have taken the pick over the wide receiver because it's so it's so much more fluid and I can do anything with it. And I could say that Addison, Pickens, JSN, Rasheed Rice, Drake London, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel, I think I could almost get them once we get to draft season. I think I could probably get them for the 107, 108. Yeah, talking about like, you know, uh, the Romo Dunes and, and whatever – guys that's you know start to pop up you know the keon coleman's and all that like we're going to start seeing these names and putting putting that together and seeing like oh man can you imagine him with so and so and just the excitement's going to go through the roof so i'm with you especially if, if you're getting off of an asset where it's aging so to speak of debo samuel where he has injury concerns stefan diggs you know had a rough go towards the end of the season people might be down on him a little bit and then you have the rest of them of dk metcalf zay flowers nico collins like that whole range i think you could probably find your way into and even if you get into the jsn george pickens rasheed rice range yeah i think the the fluidity of that pick um is significant and so being able to to use that to to keep your roster flexible as you're going through the draft uh would have been a good move but at the same time like i get it you know mike evans smashed you got his jersey up behind you, like you know, you you love yourself some Mike Evans. It's 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 I a do. tough it's a tough one to pass on when he's had ten years of a thousand yards, and you know, I mean, it's pretty consistently done at this pretty, point. <laughs> he's pretty good at football, you know. He's pretty good at the game. He's he's probably gonna, he is a Hall of Famer based on his career. So yeah, I, I get it. I, I definitely get it. As life, if he's playing a couple more years and he still can continue to do this, you're fine. One of the most underrated players in all of football as well as dynasty. He, I mean, he was going like the sixth, seventh round last year, whatever startups were having. And I think Godwin yeah. was over him at times throughout his career. And he's just consistently stayed the same dude year over year over year. Absolutely love me myself. Some Mike Evans. So maybe a little bit of bias influenced on that pick. But if I was going back and redoing this, I do think I would take that one Oh eight just because I can get anything with that. And it's not attached to a single player. Um, even if I make the 108 pick, I think that I could still get possibly the same amount of value with the 108, with the wide receiver that I'm taking there. Um, like you said, the, this wide receiver class is absolutely stacked. And you're talking about the first seven picks probably being quarterbacks and a tight end and Brock Bowers. You've got Jatavian Sanders being up there as well, potentially with this yeah. type of a format in 1.75. I think that you're going to get a very, very good player there at the 108. And I think that that pitch probably, I think that the 108, 109 probably should have gone off a little bit earlier than it did. 
Yeah, I think in, in general, I'm with you. I think the seven should have been a lot closer to the six. It shouldn't have been a full two rounds, essentially. Yeah. Uh, plus between the 106 and 107, that was definitely a big gap there. But uh, just, just to kind of recap, we've gone through six rounds and we're, we're kind of getting out there. And as we get through, like the, some of the names don't matter, but it's just about the tiers and where some of these players are. Through So essentially through three rounds, we had 14 quarterbacks. We only had five running backs. I know we haven't talked about running backs at all today, uh, but we've had 14 quarterbacks, five running backs, 10 wide receivers, one tight end through three rounds, and then six draft picks. So, of course, those picks could be wider, you know, any position, but we did want to break it out because there are no names associated. Then through six rounds, we had 18 total quarterbacks, 10 total running backs, 28 total wide receivers, seven total tight ends, and nine picks. So there was only four quarterbacks that came off the board between round four and six, five more running backs. We did have 18 wide receivers in those rounds and six tight ends and then only three picks. So this was definitely a big that 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 tier of that flat tier of wide receivers essentially started to come off the board. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to just touch on the the quarterbacks because we've we hammered them home at first. You know, we, we left off with Dak wrapping up the third round and then we had Deshaun Watson, Jordan Love. Jared Goff and Bryce Young truly being like that next tier. So those are the 18 quarterbacks that came off the board, not including draft picks. Then we have a big gap to Baker Mayfield. Um, Two and a half rounds back to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's like, which which is fine. Again, that's perfectly fine. This is kind of what you expect when we talk about tiers of quarterbacks. You have like the top seven, you have eight through about 13 or 14 and then you have 15 through 18 so i just want to touch on 15 through 18 because these names are kind of interesting deshaun watson jordan love jared Groff, jared goff and bryce young i'm i kind of love it like kind of do like i <laughs> man if if i did not start off this draft cj stroud kyler murray if i just started off the draft with cj stroud picked Unfortunately, he went one pick ahead of me, but if I started off the draft, CJ Stroud, AJ Brown, and then I waited until the seventh to get Baker Mayfield, I would absolutely love that start. I I think we got a little bit overexcited last year with how we were doing the, you have to get two of these top iron locked quarterbacks in the top eight. You need to get two top eight quarterbacks. I still think that's a viable strategy. I don't know if it's a viable strategy to win year one. And you know, you know us on Overreaction <laughs> Pod, we want to win year one because all these leagues fold earlier than expected. They, they there's question marks every single time you go into a league. So I would love to win year one at any cost possible. And if I'm trying to do that, I don't think the best way is actually with two star studded quarterbacks and trading my second, third, fourth round picks to go up and get another top eight quarterback. Let me get one anchor. Let me draft at a place like the 107, get CJ Stroud, and then wait until the seventh round and get Baker Mayfield as my quarterback too. I'd absolutely love that. You're going to give me five wide receivers probably in that range during all of those picks and one running back anchor to get me there or one tight end anchor to get me there. I would absolutely love that startup much more than I would trying to trade three, four picks, and maybe a future pick as well to try to get up into that top eight range. No, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that type of startup, and I would absolutely love having these Jordan Love in the fifth, ba uh, Baker Mayfield in the seventh picks. I mean, when you're looking at, you know, I like to look at spike weeks a lot, again, because we play a lot of best ball, but even spike weeks in terms of like 
my QB two spiking and hitting my lineup. Um, I mean, we've seen what Joe Flacco can do. We've seen like what a lot of these rental, I'm going to call them rental quarterbacks that ended up getting, you know, spot starts or starting for a good chunk of the season um, had the opportunity to put up significant points for you at a very cheap cost. So yeah, like I, of course I want a stud quarterback. I absolutely do. I, I would love a top eight quarterback, top seven quarterback, and I want to say at all costs, but I would love that to happen and then to just backfill with the rest because, you know, Baker had, you know, some monster weeks. I know Justin Fields went really high in this draft, but he had some, you know, top five finishes several times. Jordan Love did the same thing and he, you know, is going off at quarterback, I think 16 in this draft without including draft picks. Um, you know, Jared Goff had some monster weeks. Kirk Cousins until his injury. Derek Carr had had some top six weeks going in there like Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, all of the names that we were hoping for last year finally had some weeks. And I think that's the whole thing is like, if I can have a, a serviceable QB two that can have a monster week for me and, and truly smash, I'm, I'm here for it. I, do, I don't have to spend my first two, two picks on quarterbacks and then see what the rest of my lineup ends up filling out as. So I do think there's some strategy there. I think so, there's uh, some different ways you can build your quarterback room and build your team. But yeah, I, I, we went a little too far last year, just admittedly. It's just one of those things like you don't, if you can get to elite quarterbacks, great, but I'm not doing it at any cost, like at all costs. Um, I think that's that was kind of the overreaction, so to speak. Yeah, I, I still believe that if you truly want to build a dynasty, you want to play truly dynasty fantasy football, it's the best way to build your team. If you want to win leagues in year one, year two, year three, it's probably not the best way to do it because you're going to put so much of your assets into positions that are truly, truly replaceable. Like we've seen it this year. I think it was 62 quarterbacks this year that started NFL games. I think you got to like 68, actually. It's 60, I'm not 60 plus, and it might be year over year over year, four years in a row, yeah. more quarterbacks starting NFL football games year over year over year. Why? Why do I need a top 20? Why do I need a top eight quarterback whenever one, there's a possibility they get hurt, and two, I can pick anything up off the waiver wire for basically free. Unless everybody starts rostering all these backup quarterbacks, why do I need? anything other than one anchor quarterback and maybe he gets hurt. Maybe it does happen. But what's the, what is the objective of me having two just so I can replace the first one and then be in the same exact situation? No, I'd rather have one, have a top tier wide receiver as my second round draft pick and then build it out. Now I didn't do it in this one because I did get CJ Stroud and Kyler Murray fall back to me. And I was like, Hey, you know, like Tyree kill just went rough right before me. <laughs> I can't have a top tier wide receiver because they all went off like the top seven in or the top five, in my opinion, all went off in front of me, but that's perfectly fine. Like you don't need to build this quarterback room through a position that is at most, at most times replaceable. I mean, just look at the war you have, maybe four quarterbacks that truthfully matter about seven or eight that are actually good. And then it flattens off. Why do we need to sp keep spending up just to feel good about our super flex position? We don't need to, we don't need to just fill it in with whatever comes up. You can fill it in with Matthew Stafford in the 10th 
in the 10th round, Matthew Stafford, who said he's going to keep playing for another two, three years. What's the difference between Matthew Stafford in the 10th and Justin Fields in the second? I don't have that much difference between the two of them. Jared Goff in the fourth and and Stafford. Like, even if you want to keep that same kind of tier, like they're, they're similar guys, but yes, they're very similar. The only thing that the only thing that's there is one is like two years away from retiring and one's nine years away from retiring. If he plays that entire time, but he's two years away from being benched as well. Here's the thing with quarterback. We talk about the the, the elite quarterback. And I know we're talking with this is startup strategy kind of thought process. So as I'm going through this, it makes it's making me think a little bit more as well. You know, even teams you currently have where you might have, you know, uh, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson and, and a Jared Goff. Like there are some teams that are, are super quarterback deep. I, I was of the mindset like I, I had to get a quarterback back and I'm still down to get a quarterback back. But like, oh, you can't go from. You just can't go from Joe Burrow to, you know, Baker Mayfield. You just can't do it. But if I have two elite quarterbacks and a third top, you know, 18 guy, you know, and a Jared Goff where I don't necessarily need it, like I'm more flexible now, where as long as I still have my anchor, I don't want to give up my anchor. I want to say that at least. But I'm happy to move away from a Kyler, a T-Law, an A-Rich, a Burrow. Like if I have you know herbert i love stroud so i don't want to move off of him yet but you know if i have two options if i have josh allen and cj stroud it's like all right you know what maybe maybe i'm willing to make some gambles here and and try and find some different options but if i if i'm deep at quarterback and i can fill other positions that are actually going to start in my lineup that's what i'm going to try and do i'm not going to be stuck in that oh i just can't trade justin herbert for justin jefferson and jared goff like i just can't do it just because it's such a big drop from like Herbert and Burrow to Goff or or going down to Baker. If it's going to still fill that need, if I'm still going to have the depth that I needed a position, if it's going to allow me the flexibility in my roster to, you know, accumulate a still a very valuable asset, but also one that could be a difference maker at a different position. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. I mean, even if it's not a difference making, even if it's not a difference making quarterback, this is where you and I have differed from a lot of people on quarterbacks. Where, where exactly where we have these picks lying out right now, we have the two hundred two, two hundred three, and two hundred four, all between the quarterbacks of Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Will Levis, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Would you rather have the pick? To pick Blake Corum, let's say, or would you rather have the quarterback? I'd much rather yeah. have the quarterback. It, it's it's funny, right? Full circle, right? A year ago, this kind of conversation we talked about in in the spring of last year, I think, is really when it started about the you know giving up a quarterback for it for a second, and 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 flipping the scenario here. Yeah, like. Again, it's all on how you build your team and and what kind of flex roster flexibility you have. With but how yeah, man, much like, quarterbacks go down, what we've seen, yeah. Why would you not want to just spend a second to get Matt Stafford? You, why would you yeah. not spend your two hundred four to get Matt Stafford as your third or fourth quarterback? I don't even care if he's a third or fourth quarterback on your roster. Do you need to oh, make man. the decision every week? Like I, I get optimal roster construction, but at some point. He, that's so much more valuable to me 
and to the rest of the league whenever they suffer their quarterback injuries because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. We've seen it for the last four years. It's going to happen. Maybe it happens to Stafford and maybe I get wrong. Okay? Maybe I get wrong. But I believe that I can pull more than just a single 204. Uh, I don't know if that's the right process play to do it. I don't know if every league will give me that, but I believe that that just having him is more valuable than a random Kendra Miller of last year. Marvin Mims. Now maybe, maybe it turns into Josh Downs. I mean, still I'd probably rather have Matthew Stafford. (laughs) Yeah. So like in the end, like fair, fair enough swap. And they went, Seven picks apart from each other in this mock. Josh Downs and yep. Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think it's uh it's definitely, I mean, you and I have always been, you know, even whether we want to call it like the anchor quarterback, like the anchor quarterback is great. Like we've always wanted to have an anchor, but you and I have also been, you know, caveat for everyone listening, very comfortable not having an anchor quarterback, very comfortable we- having Jared Goff, absolute floaters, Derek Carr and Geno Smith as our top two quarterbacks, especially when you're in best ball, best ball specifically, or just like Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield. That's a, that's a quarterback room that I love in best ball. And, and then the, the, the cost of, of what it takes to, to get that, the difference between like what you're going to have and someone else in the league uh, is not going to be that significant, and you're going to be able to pick up and use your your other capital or other auction dollars, or you know, however, whatever you know, format you're using to draft, you're going to be able to use those uh those picks to to find uh, difference makers at other positions that are truly going to help you win championships early. So yeah, it, it does make navigating long term a little more challenging, but uh, we we want to win as well. But yeah, that's why again, if you're able to tier it and you're able to have the anchor quarterback, get it because it's a lot easier to as you just talked about using a mid second, even if you want to use an early second, but using a mid second to find a very serviceable QB two in this market. And you're going to be happy. You're going to be perfectly fine with it. You know, it's like, Oh, I got CJ Stroud and I got the, you know, I got Derek Carr. Okay. All right. Well, if you really want another option, you can spend a second and get yourself a quarterback because that is, that is what is happening right now. So, I think that that's something that you can use to your advantage, you know, whether or not you want to sell a quarterback for a second is is another story. But if you are in most leagues, you're going to be able to use that second to go purchase one. And, you know, you're going to get production, you know, you're going to get points as long as they're healthy. Let's put that caveat out there because there was, as, as you said, 60 plus quarterbacks over the past three or four years that have started. So there's a possibility of someone going down, but it gives you more options, gives you more flexibility for your roster to, to kind of play that way too. Yeah, and I'm I'm perfectly fine just sending off a second for a quarterback, even middle of the year, whenever yeah. one of my quarterbacks goes down. Perfectly fine doing it. Do not care. And yep. because what happens for most of the time? Yes, some some do go. Well, you sent a second for Jimmy Garoppolo week three, and then he wasn't even a starter week seven, and he's never a starter again. Sent a second for Ryan Tannehill. And he's never a starter again until week 17, whenever he's thrust in the role of Will Levis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he's no use to your team. Most of the time, though, it's Matthew Stafford. And he just plays. And you think he's going to retire at the end of the year. And you know what he says? He comes out on a podcast and says, hey, I'm going to play for another two or three years because I love playing football. Like, it's. Players love playing. Quarterbacks love playing the fuck. 
quarterbacks love playing the game. And if I can get any of these guys for seconds, even if it's Kirk Cousins, even if it's a guy who's coming off of an Achilles, I don't really care. Give me these guys that are playing football, that have been playing football for 10 plus years. I will send seconds for them every single time. Yep. Uh, well said. I know we've we've dove into a good bit of, of this draft. Um, we're over an hour in at this point. You know, we can get into some, some specifics. I think we'll drop the actual sleeper board in uh, in the description of this video. So if you've listened this far or as you click through, you probably see the full board so you can see how everything really did pan out. A lot is going to change, especially with these, you know, later round seven and beyonds, uh, just because, the, you know, there could be players making moves, incoming players that could push these players around the board. We could see, you know, who knows, Travis Kelsey retire and he's not getting drafted anymore. So a lot of things can change in this range. So we didn't really want to dive too deep into the names that are here. Um, some of the most notables, you know, it's truly running back. Like, I, I think we, that's the one position we haven't touched on literally at all today. And, and, and we'll just, we'll just dive into that real quick from beginning to end. Cause as we mentioned, there was only 10 running backs that went in the first six rounds. I mean, and it's Bijan and, and this is all in order. Bijan, Brees Hall, CMC, Jameer Gibbs, JT, that five pretty legit makes a ton of sense. I'm good with all five of them. Running back six, Achan. Then we have a large gap in the board. It goes, he, he was, this was all 209 through 43 that those six came off the board. After that, from the 43 six until 6 1, that is when ETN, Barkley, Kyron, and Kenneth Walker came off the board. That is your top 10. So Achan, ETN, Saquon, Kyron and Kenneth Walker wrap out the top 10 running backs in this draft. Running back 11, Pacheco, Rashad White, James Cook, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, even. So, like, just kind of just listing some names here as we go through Najee, Jalen Warren, like, just wanted to go through some of them. Truly, after those 10, I mean, even Kyron might have some questions in some people's eyes. Kenneth Walker might have some questions in some people's eyes. Saquon, we really don't know where he's going to be. ETN had a great first half of the year and then kind of a mediocre rest of the season. But I, this is the running back position. Like, do you want anybody outside? I'll say top six. Like, do you really even care outside of the top five, top six? No. <laughs> not, not, not really at all. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Saquon Barkley. Um, do I, do I really care about sixth round, six oh four Saquon Barkley to twelve oh seven James Conner? Do, do I really care? <laughs> I, I would much rather pay twelve oh seven James Conner than I would six oh four James or six oh four Saquon Barkley. No, like I. What are you going to give me? A, maybe a three points per game difference? What is there? A maybe one year age gap between the two? No, I, I, I don't. I don't care between all these guys. We saw so many wide receivers go, and I think it's the right way to go because all of these running backs. I had when whenever we were going through this draft, I had like seventeen running backs queued up, and not a one of them went all the time. Like I just had, I had the 17 running backs queued up the entire time, all the way through round 13. My queue did not deplete. 
I had Gus Edwards in my queue. <laughs> I had Gus Edwards in my queue still. We didn't even finish it. We didn't even finish the mock. And Derek I saw Henry Gus Edwards in there. Didn't even Derek Henry off. in there. Derek Henry didn't even go in the first 12 rounds. I mean, we have so many running backs that are just fully replaceable. Do you, outside of, again, what you said, Bijan, Reese Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Jameer Gibbs, CMC. Only five that I actually care about. Anybody else, I would not draft a running back until around like 10. I don't care. And this is something we talk about every single year, and it's and it's hard to truly like quantify. And I want to do some uh, like true breakdown because the numbers have changed because it was like a sixty percent turnover year over year. Like so, all of the top twelve running backs, sixty percent of those running backs that were top twelve in points per game finish would not be in the top twelve the following year. And yep. I'm just going to read you the top twelve because now we have finished the season, and you know we can kind of figure out like who we thought may have been in the top twelve. CMC, yes. Kyron, no shot. If you said you nope. thought he was going to be a top 12 running back, like y- y- you had some hopium and you're like, maybe it can happen. And now you're just, uh, you're, you're fully <laughs> on lucid drugs. <laughs> then we have um, Alvin Kamara. Possibly. We, he had a three game suspension, but you he was there. Yep. Raheem Mostert. Nope. Devon A. Chan. Nope. Brees Hall. Yes. Then we had ETN. Yes. Gibbs, maybe, maybe, yeah, again, but, but it was borderline, right? Saquon, yes, that was a yes. Rashad White, no. Joe Mixon, no. JT snuck in. JT's the that's interesting. Yep, but he, again, we're talking beginning of the season, all, no, because he wasn't even going to play football this year. This is all points per game based. So, like, truly, the difference here, like, we're looking at Saquon was at like. 15.9 and then you're looking at even as we go down the list james connor is at 15.5 he's running back 13 pacheco's 14 david montgomery Bijan, derrick henry all of these are 14 plus point per game guys and so like in the end there's not a huge difference in production other than you know name but again it's there's just names that you don't expect james cook had his had his run like these are all top 24 running backs austin eckler hasn't been mentioned tony pollard who we thought was going to be a top you know, 12 five. option, top five option. Right. So like he wasn't even mentioned. It happens every year, especially at running back where the, it just doesn't work out or there's someone that can easily get replaced. Some, some rookie comes in and, and does his thing. Like, yeah, outside of those five, I might, again, I, I kind of teeter on a Chan, but I'd say those five for sure. Like, no question, Bijan Brees, CMC Gibbs, and JT are the only five I even care about. After that, I'm happy taking Alvin Kamara in the ninth, Mixon in the tenth, Pollard in the tenth, like Monty in the. I got, oh, I did see Derrick Henry. He, he went in the 11th round. Sorry. Derrick Henry did go off the board at 11 1. So, like, after Tajay Spears, two rounds before, or two rounds after Tajay Spears. Yeah. Well, you know. He's the he's the young new thing. He's 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 RB one in Tennessee, and that you know maybe he's the next Kyron because he's going to get all this opportunity. Maybe maybe Derrick Henry goes to Baltimore and just becomes Gus Edwards, you know, on steroids. Like God, I, I just I keep I want to I want to make it happen so bad. I want Derrick Henry in that Ravens offense so bad. But uh, anyways, 
that's just how the running back position is played. I think we've all seen that play out throughout the year, but it's just something to kind of consider as you're going through these startups of, you know, are you worried about getting running back? No, you can find it. And there's tons still available. And we went through 12 rounds. So literally lots yeah, of I mean, options. I, I, as, as I was going through it, I mean, James Connor was one of the last running backs that was off the board. Devin Singletary was the one taken right after him. Gus Edwards was still on the board. They're just a plethora of running backs that are perfectly all the same, almost still on the board in the 12th and 13th rounds that I would compare equally to Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh. I don't need running back. That's why all these wide receivers are being inflated in value because whenever you get to the 12th round in wide receiver, um, let's see, what, what do we have? Um, Dontavian Wicks, DeMario Douglas, Jonathan Mingo, Quentin Johnston. Cortland Sutton is actually pretty devalued in this, and I think Cortland Sutton should have been higher. He should have been taken three rounds earlier. I don't like where Cortland Sutton went. Mike Williams, Jahan Dotson, Jameson Williams. It's the hopium tier of wide receivers that like you're hoping best case They've never done anything. And you're you're hoping hoping that they can get to just a top 36 wide receiver. You hope that 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 10th, you know, that that flex, that final flex spot for your team. You hope best case, like, oh, maybe, maybe this is going to be the year that they I can flex this guy. Or you can have like a legitimate RB2 on your team in James Conner. Like (laughs) the decision's fairly easy for me. I I would take my shot on all of these running backs. Like, and I I know it seems like, oh, you're just painting a perfect picture. Like, you know, perfect world. You draft a quarterback early, draft a bunch of wide receivers, and then draft running backs and tight ends. I mean, maybe it is that simple. Maybe we're oversimplifying it. But like at the same time, when you really look at where the tier of players is and like how it's panning out, that's how the value plays. That's where that's where fantasy is right now. So it's, it's how everything is shaking out right now. It's not that yeah. hard to do, right? Like you can play out your startups exactly like this with no trades, no trades being no done. Trades. And you, you, we can even get into a further conversation on some later pods about how you can manipulate the trade market within these startup mocks, within snake drafts, within the trade market. Obviously, we will do future ones on the auction market as well because that's what we really love to play more than the snake third round reversal market. It's the best way you can do it outside of being an auction format, but it's still really, I don't want to say it's easy to manipulate, but you can manipulate the draft board each and every week. It will change, yes, Definitely within the draft prospect, uh, all these draft picks will probably rise up and up the board every single time. I mean, we have the 206 going off at the 1210. That yeah. 206 is probably going to, or the 206 is probably going to go off at like the 1010 by the time that we're actually to draft season. All these picks are going to fly up the board. Everybody's going to be on their rookie fever. If you are in a draft right now, I definitely believe in preferentially targeting picks over players just because they will increase in value. So I don't think that I played out this draft exactly to my best, but I do really believe that I built a very good team here. Um, If you want to see the board, we will post the board for you all to see 
on the uh, DD should be retweeting this one. We will be putting it on the X universe for y'all to see if you want to watch along with it. We will be putting it up there for y'all and you can see the entire board. We obviously aren't able to talk through every single pick, every single player where they land, but we went through 12 rounds. It was an absolutely awesome draft. Thank you to everybody who was in this draft. It was an absolutely awesome time over three days Three days, I think it was, that we went through 12 and a half rounds. Never have done that before. So thank you to everybody who was in this draft. Shout out to the DD community for being in that DTI 5 crew as well. About half of these guys. And so I absolutely love guys and gals. Sam was in here too. But (laughs) absolutely love, absolutely love the crew that we were drafting with. It was an absolute blast. And we'll be doing these so much more throughout the entire offseason. We've got seven more months-ish Eight more months, nine more months. I don't know what it is, but until football starts again, we'll be hammering these out at least once a month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, Shane hopped in this as well from from DTI Five, so we appreciate him and his time for for doing this. Uh, again, a lot of very tapped in people were in these filled in probably five minutes. I think it was one of the fastest fills for for a I think it was a Saturday start, so it was it filled quick, started quick. So love love seeing that. If you want to be in these again, destinationdevy.com. Make sure you tap in, find a tier that works for you. Get in the Discord, uh, join the the Heisman and DTI five tier. That's where you're going to have the most access to the content creators. You're, you'll have voice chat if you're in Heisman. I mean, and DTI five, you'll have all the AMAs, tons of additional content. Um, the articles in the off season are going to be great. Ray is going to be breaking down film. Like we're gonna, the off season is the time to join this community. I, I cannot stress that enough. It will truly change everything about how you view your fantasy leagues and so start now tap in destinationdevy.com play with the tools check out the war check out the trinity tracker make sure you are in this community because it will it will change everything for you so uh do that we'll be again doing rookie mocks startup mocks we'll be doing startups uh so we'll be breaking those down in fact i think i have a rookie draft already in a month so like (laughs) true degenerate stuff here pre-draft uh rookie of rookie drafts so got some uh homework to start doing we'll have declaration week so this is dropping on the 9th we will have official declaration day i believe on the 15th so we will know all of the prospects that are in the 24 class next week we'll we'll start looking at the the transitions for some of these coaches uh whether they're coming in going out how that's going to impact some of these offenses because these coordinator and head coach situations impact things more than we anticipate so make sure we're we're looking at some of this uh let us know your thoughts as well you know hit us up on, on x I'm at Trophy Chase TFDR. He's at Cody Smith TFDR. You can find us in the Discord as well. I'm Trophy Chase. He is the Fantasy Draft Room. And so you'll be able to find us on uh, Discord as well. So hit us up. Let us know what you want to see this offseason from us. If you want to be part of these mocks, tap in and uh, we'll make sure we help you out with that. Yeah, we'll be running these mocks all the way through the offseason. I'm sure JB, I believe, is running the mocks through the Destination Debbie Discord. We're going to probably have... 50 to 100 of them, I assume, by the time the NFL draft hits. Uh, not not by NFL draft, but by the start of the NFL season. Yeah. So it will be an absolute awesome time. NFL draft, the draft potathon kind of that we do for over those three days. Definitely excited to be back on that. For 2024 was an awesome time in 2023 whenever we were able to jump on. So, <laughs> man, it's, it, I like you said, I 
actually, I think I actually like the off season of fantasy football more than I do the NFL season. It's, it's strange and it's weird, but the amount of time that you're able to actually dig through all of the data, the discourse, the, the conversations that you're able to have throughout eight months of just not having football is so much more valuable than that. You can just have like two days and then you're like waiver wire. You're going to Thursday night football. You're, I mean, you're just, you're just trying to stay afloat most of the time (laughs) during the season. It feels like at least for me, it's jam packed, but you actually get to break down everything. You get to sit back and really, really revolutionize your process. And if you stay here with us throughout the rest of the season, you stay here on the DD radio feed with Scott Connor, with Ray, with Jordan Richards on the pods every single week. Yeah. You will revolutionize the way you play fantasy football over the next eight months before you get to the actual fantasy season in 2024. You'll probably have eight first round picks, eight first round picks in 2025 as well. You'll be set up perfectly to dominate your leagues for the rest of your dynasty fantasy football lives yeah so with that we will wrap out of here uh thanks so much for tapping in again let us know some of your thoughts what you want to see this offseason if you want to be part of this again destinationdebbie.com find a tier that's right for you but if you are in that heisman and dti5 tier most access that is the you will have non-stop access to all of the content creators and voice chat being able to hit up ray scott us gene uh you know gump Everyone that's involved in Destination Debbie, Jay Rich, everybody, Jordan Backus, you'll have what you need to be successful. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us here on the Overreaction Podcast. <laughs>